Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Rich is Not a Four-Letter Word, the podcast for your wallet. I'm Jerry Willis with the Fox Business Network. Up 500 points one day, down 500 the next. The stock market has been incredibly volatile. Has it got you down? Well, listen in, because I spoke with legendary markets newsletter writer Dennis Gartman about his views on the market and what individual investors should be doing right now. Gartman, whose newsletter, The Gartman Letter, is read by many of the leading banks, brokerages, and energy trading companies, well, he's not optimistic about the prospects for markets in 2019. He shares his concerns about volatility, markets, and trade with China. Want to know what to do next? Listen in. We're lucky to have you, Dennis, and congratulations to you for producing that letter so consistently. You were telling me you had missed just two days in 34 years. Am I right? Two days, Jerry. I, I missed one day for my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. That was uh, 18 years ago, and I missed one day for uh, kidney stones. Whatever you do, don't <laughs> get kidney stones. <laughs> oh, that's not funny, but it is funny. Wow, that is un- an unbelievable record. So I'm so pleased you're here because I think it's hard for individual investors to have a, you know, a, a long-term view on the markets. And I want to start with stocks. Is the bull market over? Uh, we've certainly been in correction territory on the major averages. What should small investors know about investing in stocks right now? I, I am afraid that the bull market has ended. I'm constantly amused by people who say that you don't have a bear market till you're down 20%. By the time you've given back 20%, remember, you have to go up 35% to get even. So a 20% decline is more than something material. It is, it is extraordinary. I, right, and that, that's the way the numbers work, right? It's harder coming back than it is coming down. That's for darn sure. But what do you see for, for that future of stocks right now? You're looking at 2019. What does your calendar read? I think we'll probably be down 5 to 10%, but more by the end of 2019 than we are already. I tend to look at stocks in global terms, and we're down almost 15% from the highs that were made in January. I think we've got another 5 to 10% that we can take global stocks down, maybe a little bit more. It's not going to be as egregious and as ugly as it was in 2007, 2008, and 2009. But honestly, Jerry, I do think that we're in a bear market, and I think the wise thing for people to do is be less involved, raise a little cash, reduce your exposure. That's not a bad thing to do. All right. Well, that's not great news, but we uh, appreciate the heads up. Let's talk about oil for a second. We've had a major sell-off. Big questions about whether that means the economy is weakening globally. How are you reading these tea leaves in the oil market? I think, quite honestly, that that $50 WTI is relatively inexpensive. $80 WTI is obviously very expensive. And I think the world is happy. Producers and consumers will probably be happy when we get WTI at $60 per barrel. 
my bet is that we'll get there. At that price, frackers in, in the Permian, in the, in the, in the Bakken, in the Eagle Ford are happy to produce. At that price, gasoline prices are probably $2.50 per gallon. Consumers or users of gasoline are probably not unhappy about that. So my guess is that we'll get back to $60 a barrel, but uh, I, I, I think the worst is behind us that, that when, we, when we traded right under $50 for, for the nearby future, but I also think that $80 is extremely high priced. And the amount of production that that can come on stream and will come on stream anywhere above $65 WTI is enormous. Well, it's been a big debate, right? Another big debate in the markets. And one of the things that's, you know, probably moved the Dow the most, certainly over the last couple of months, is trade. And the conversation with China that Donald Trump is having, our president is having, about, about trade, tariffs, what do you make of this? Where is it going? Will there be a deal? First of all, let's understand that I am a free trader first and foremost. I think zero tariffs are the way to go. Freer trade is a sum, is a sum plus game. Tariffs and trade protection are a sum zero game. And I think the president, although I voted for him, has made some very silly, very bad uh, statements about trade and has attacked not just upon China, which I understand the attacks upon China. China cheats. Let's not let's not get ourselves. But to 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 put into effect trade protection against Canada, our greatest ally, our largest trading partner, to put or or, or to even bring up the notion of trade tariffs and trade protection against Europe makes absolutely no sense. It, he speaks to a small base who misunderstands trade completely. Let's let's just be honest. Uh, when we when we buy stuff from China. We pay for it with U.S. Treasury securities on balance. Think about that. We buy stuff and we give them paper. That sounds to me like a pretty good trade, not a bad trade, and we need to understand that. The, 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 the president would seem to believe that, that uh, the United States can once again be an island unto itself, and in a modern global society, in a modern global wor- world, that's simply not possible. You know, a lot of people say that the effects uh, of this, you know, trade war, I guess you've got to call it, that's been going on, is that prices will rise for consumers. Do you agree? Yes. Oh, absolutely. We, we must remember, when tariffs are put into effect, it's not the country that ships goods to you. It's the, the, the company in the country that accepts the goods that pays the tariff, and that goes directly to the consumer. So the cost, if, we're, if we put tariffs on steel, if we put tariffs on automobiles, the cost of the consumer goes up absolutely directly and immediately. So that's a real problem. It's misunderstood. It, it, it is not a it is not a sum zero or sum plus game. It is a sum zero game. Consumers are the ones that get damaged, and that that needs to be understood. Is this evolving though into something more than just a trade uh, tiff? Because we had the arrest of the Huawei CFO in Canada, sort of at our direction. And China took great umbrage with that. Are, are we getting to a place where there's real fundamental differences between the two countries? Could it escalate into something else entirely? Well, that's my great fear, isn't it? That these things, once you start down this slippery slope, <coughs> excuse me, once you start down this slippery slope, it's very hard to gain traction and come out the other way. So, yes, we are moving down a bad slope. I think that your point about the... Uh, arrest this weekend of the the uh, CFO from Huawei I think is 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 indicative of the US Chinese antagonism that I fear could become worse let us hope I'm wrong 
<coughs> but that is my great fear. Um, and, and, and the tentacles of this whole trade uh, tiff or war, if you want to call it that, into the soybean market, uh, commodities, it, it goes on and on. What are you seeing bigger picture beyond just, say, stocks? Well, the damage being done to the agricultural community is manifest. It is very large and it is very real. And it is amusing to me, or dismaying to me, I guess it's better terminology, that the, the president gains has real support amongst the agricultural community even though he's doing damage to them, the cost of soybean prices, the soybean prices, for example, fell over a dollar and twenty cents a bushel after the announcement of tra- the, these trade disconcertions. They have not rebounded much since, as we've talked, as there has been talk between the United States and China. But we need to see a movement of massive amounts of soybeans to overcome the huge reserves that we have. And the president's uh, statements thus far. Indigo would, would suggest that he's doing damage to the agricultural community, and clearly that's happened in price. So this has to change. We may wake up one morning and walk in and find out that the United States and China have shaken hands and, and, and made friends with one another, and then some announcement of a massive export of soybeans to the Chinese has been announced, and beans will open limit up again once more, one more time, but I have my doubts. Dennis, i got to play devil's advocate here because a lot of people feel like, you know, the theft of intellectual property, uh, the terms of agreements with China that the U.S. has right now puts puts us at a distinct disadvantage and for really no good reason. You know, China is a thoroughgoing first world country now, doesn't need a lot of favors from the U.S. of A. What do you say to that criticism? China cheats. Let's not kid ourselves. China steals intellectual property on a rather consistent basis. And something must be done. I'm not sure that it putting into effect trade tariffs. I'm not sure that talking tough is the great proper thing to do. I'm glad I don't have to be the one to make the decision. Let's not kid ourselves. China does cheat as far as intellectual property is concerned. Something has to be done, and I understand that. But putting into effect trade tariffs, I think, is, uh, is, is detrimental and an ill-advised uh, course of action. But again, I'm glad I don't have to be the one to make the decision. Right, right. Okay, well, let's let's open up the uh, picture here a little bit and talk more about investing more broadly. What have you learned about investing in your 34 years of writing the letter that you can share with small investors? There are, there are a couple things. One, I love, when it comes to emerging markets, I love what my friend Don Cox, who I think is one of the smartest men in the business, he, he retired from the business about five years ago, But Don had the following statement to say about emerging markets, and I think it is very apropos. Emerging markets are markets from which you cannot emerge in an emergency. (laughs) And I think I I love that line because it it, it, it talks to the lack of liquidity that exists. I understand that if you have a 40, 50, 60, 70-year perspective, which I don't, uh, that that owning shares in emerging markets makes sense. But if I've learned anything, I've learned that there's plenty to be done in the United States there's plenty to be done in Canada. There's plenty to be done in the liquid markets in Europe. I avoid the emerging markets wholesale and always will. Secondly, that which differentiates pros from amateurs is very simply this. And it's a good rule in life. It's a good rule in trading. Try your best to do more of the things that have been working. and Try your damnedest to do less of the things that have not. If you bought a stock at 15 <laughs> and it goes to 25, you're right. Buy more. If you bought a stock at 15 and it goes to 10, you're wrong. Buy less. Do more of that which is working, do less of that which is not. It works in life, it works in trading. I got to tell you, Dennis, that sounds really easy. 
<laughs> but it's not as easy as it it's sounds. Not easy. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Really appreciate your time. Jerry, it's my honor. Call me anytime. Happy to do it. And uh, good luck and good trading. Happy holidays. You too, my friend. Be well. Cheers. Take a listen to the podcast and follow me on Twitter at Jerry Willis FBN and on Facebook where my handle is Jerry Willis. You can also find me on Instagram at Jerry underscore Willis. Bottom line, I want to hear from you. What money issues do you want to explore? Tell me and we'll get it on the podcast. Have a great day and remember, rich is not a four-letter word. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.